Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. There is one God, and He is perfect. He has revealed Himself as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. And because this God is perfect, we know that none of His ways need any amending, any change whatsoever. And what God has said in the past, because... He knows all things. His ways are right. What he has said in the past, he will do in the future. And therefore, a wise one is going to rely truly upon him. A wise one is going to take his word, apply it to their life, and manifest that which is right or righteous things, righteous living. But unfortunately, we do not see that with the house of Israel. God is displeased, but God is faithful. And God's going to do some new things, and new things relate to kingdom things. We have truly an exciting chapter today. Chapter 48 of the book of Isaiah. And this chapter does a marvelous job of, of telling us Israel's history, Israel's future, and how that wonderful future that God has spoken of long ago, how is it going to be arrived? How is it going to come about? Well, that's what we're going to learn. So take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Isaiah and chapter 48. The book of Isaiah and chapter 48. Now, it begins in verse 1 with God saying, hear this. Now, usually when this word, this, stands by itself, it's speaking about something of great importance. So he says, hear this, O house of Jacob. House of Jacob. Jacob is one of God's favorite names. Jacob is a beautiful name. It has such a marvelous meaning. See, don't believe everything you hear. Because that term, if you say Yaakov in Hebrew, that word, it means one who will follow after, one who will pursue. Now, there's a connection we'll see in this verse, because even though this is prophecy, it is written poetically. And again, what is the primary characteristic of Hebrew poetry? Parallelism. Let me show you what I'm talking about. In this verse it says, Listen to this, O house of Jacob, the ones who are called by the name Israel. So what's parallel to 
the house of Jacob? The answer is Israel. And Israel is a kingdom word. Israel also is a word that relates to prevailing, overcoming, taking hold of victory. And it's because Yaakov was pursuing the things of God that he was going to later on experience this victory. And ultimately, when we speak of victory or salvation, we need to think about the establishment and the entrance into the kingdom of God. So he says, hear this, O house of Jacob, the ones who are called by the name of Israel, and from the waters of Judah. Now, Judah is a word for praising God. Waters relate to blessing. So the waters of Judah are the blessings that come from praising God. And it says, from the waters of Judah, they went forth, the ones who swore in the name of the Lord. In the God of Israel, they made mention. Now, swearing, meaning saying God is dependable. I trust fully in him. That's a good thing. Secondly, making mention of him is a wonderful thing. So when we come up to this part of verse 1, it sounds great, but there's a problem. They are saying the right thing. They are proclaiming the right thing, but in reality, they're not connected to the right thing. Why? Notice what they're lacking. It says at the end of verse 1, lo ve'emet, not in truth, ve'lo b'tzedakah, and not in righteousness. Now, we learned something. If I were to ask you, based upon that last part of verse 1, if I would say, what is necessary to live righteously? What would be your answer? Now, again, I made mention in a different teaching. When, when a Bible teacher asks a question, you don't just guess. Just don't ponder it in your mind and see what comes in. That's not going to lead to the right answer. I said based upon the end of verse 1 where it says, not in truth and not in righteousness we see parallelism between truth and righteousness. Therefore, if you want righteousness, you have to have the truth. If you want to live righteously, you have to live according to the truth. And unfortunately, Israel was not doing that. Look now to verse 2. For from the holy city they are called, and concerning the God of Israel they rely. And this God of Israel says, the Lord of hosts is his name. The Lord of hosts speaks about the mightiness of God, the authority of God, God's ability to bring about what he says. This speaks about the, the sovereign God. So they speak a good game. They say that they are relying upon the Lord, but are they truly? Verse 3. He speaks about the former things, things long ago. And he says, from then, 
meaning long ago, I declared. And from my mouth, they went forth. I caused them to be heard. And not just heard, but he says, and suddenly I did. And, and they came about. So all of this is saying, not only the Lord of hosts is he mighty, but what he says, you can rely upon. Meaning he's trustworthy. It is always right to trust, depend, rely upon him. And when you do that, taking hold of his truth, applying it to your life, what's going to be manifested? Righteousness. But again, we don't see that in the house of Israel. Why? Now look at verse 4. It begins with the letter Mem. And this is a, a word which means from. It's shortened here. The word men means from. Here it's being, being shortened. And it says from, meaning the beginning, I have known that kashe ata, hard or difficult. Maybe, by, by, maybe most Bibles will say the word obstinate or stubborn. So God says, from, meaning from the beginning, I've known that you are, are stubborn, obstinate. And he says that you have, keep reading, gid barzel, meaning a, a iron tendon, where? In the back of your neck. Now, this shows another important principle. Whenever the orif, that is this part of the body in Hebrew, the back of your neck, when it's mentioned, if it's stiff, as in the case of having an iron tendon, it means that it doesn't bow, meaning this. The people had a problem. The problem is they were not humble. They were walking in pride. That's what caused them to be stubborn, what caused them to be obstinate, that, that hard characteristic that, that was in them. And God says, none of this surprised me. He says, from, meaning the past, I've known it, that you are obstinate and an iron tendon you have in the back of your neck and a bronze forehead, meaning you just keep going forward your way, just plowing through that, that part of your body. It's, it's hard-headedness that you're going to go and keep going your way no matter what. That's what he's saying. Verse 5. But I have told you from, meaning from then, from a long time ago, before it came. It shows God is all-knowing. And God declared it before it was, and it came about. I called you to hear, meaning God says, I caused you to hear this, lest you would say. Now we have what the problem is. We see a hint of idolatry. The people's tendency is, is not to pay attention to God, but what they should be doing in submissiveness to God they are really doing in regard to idols. So God says, you know, I told you this a long time ago, and, and I brought it about so that you would not say, 
not say, my, my idol did them. My statue and my molten image that, that, that they commanded. All hints, all clues of what the problem is, and that is idolatry. That people aren't walking in truth and expressing righteousness because idolatry is what they are going after. And God says, pay attention. He says in verse 6, you have heard and you have seen. Now, the word here for seen is a word for vision. It's very hard for us to, to translate the word vision as a verb. So we have to put in helping words. So he says, you have heard and you have seen, meaning you have visualized this. And then he says, all of it. And you surely, you surely would, would declare it. But he says, I have caused you to hear new things. God says, you know, I'm sure these former things that I have told you a long time ago that's come about, you're going to want to take credit for as though it was you. So he says, now I'm going to do something different. I'm going to do something new. And again, this concept, the word new, relates to kingdom things, things that have implications to the kingdom of God. And this is what this chapter is hinting to. So he says, I have caused you to hear new things. From now, he's saying from now on, from this time, those things. Now, I do not know why, but, but almost without exception, we see in, in Christian Bibles and also in some of the more popular and well-known translations for the Jewish community, we see that word hidden, that hidden things. But it's not the hidden things, but rather it's the word for keeping or guarding. Now, usually that concept of guarding something, keeping something, watching over something, is to, to relate to the reader. This has importance. If you're, you're setting a guard, if you're watching it constantly, is because it's important to you. And this is what God is saying. He says, these new things, not what I've said in the past, but there's some new things that, that I want to reveal. And I have been guarding them, hide, not hiding, but, but uh, uh, watching them. And therefore, he says, because of that, they're new and they have been, been guarded by me. He says, uh, you don't know them. Verse 7. And now they, they were created not in the past. So he's saying these new things, they weren't things that were created in the past. But he says, which means just, just a day ago, just before a day. You have not heard them, lest you would say, behold, we knew all about them. So he's saying this is new. You haven't heard it or again. You stubborn people would take credit for it. Or you would say, we received it from our idols. Now, God is showing that there is a, a gap, a separation between 
him and his people, and he's not pleased with that. Look, if you would, to verse 8. Also, you did not hear. Also, you did not know. Also, from, from the past, it says, your ears, they, they were not open, literally singular, your ear was not open. So this is saying, also in the past, same thing today, you're really not open to this. You're really not pursuing these things. These things are not what you're going after like Jacob went after them. He says, for I knew, I knew that you were a, a treacherous. Now, this is a word for, for committing treason. It's a word for expressing a, a infidelity to a covenantal relationship. It is a strong word. And God says, see, he didn't pick the people because they were the best, they were the most faithful, that they could be relied upon. God picked them because he chose them. He chose them. And only with him can they bring about this change for themselves and for others to be used in this way. But he says, I knew, I knew that you were treacherous and a, a poshea. Now, in modern Hebrew, this is a word for criminal. He says, I knew you were a criminal. We would say transgressor, using the biblical language, from the womb that you were called. A treacherous criminal transgressor from the very womb. Verse 9. On account of my name, I will lengthen my anger, meaning this. I'm not going to put forth my anger now. I'm going to delay it. Now, whenever God delays his anger, you know the reason why. To give the people time and opportunity to repent, to find, to find salvation, to find that truth. In other words, to find redemption through Messiah. So he says, on account of my name, I will lengthen my anger. And my praise, it is going to be with strain from you. Meaning, I'm not going to destroy you, but I'm not going to have praise for you either. But he says, I will not cut you. You won't be cut off entirely. Meaning what? All that portrays to the reader, God's going to work with a remnant. And it's always that remnant, not the whole, but that faithful remnant that he's going to deal with. He says, for that remnant, he says, Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. Very important term. Meaning God's going to use affliction in order to bring about change. In order to show the people what they lack, what they don't understand, in order that they can, can change. Or literally, better said, to be changed by God. His work of redemption. Verse 11. 
on account of me, on account of me. I think that's so important. It's so clear. God is saying, there's going to be something new that I'm going to do. And it's going to cause a change. You're not walking in truth. You're not expressing righteousness. You're an opposite, stubborn people. But I've chosen you. And I knew from the very beginning what you were. But nevertheless, I have chosen you. And God says these new things, these kingdom things, are going to bring about a change. And God's not going to cut off his people altogether. But we should look for that remnant. And why? Look at verse 11. On account of me, on account of me, I will do. For there, there, for how will he profane my glory? And to another I will not give it. So God is saying, I'm not going to profane my glory, meaning what I have manifested, that choice. He says, I'm not going to profane it, and I'm not going to give it to another, meaning he's going to keep the covenant. Now, in order for that covenant to be kept, see, Israel has broken it, but God's going to redeem, and that redemption is going to reunite the people to the covenant, and in doing so, also to God. Verse 12, he says, Listen to me, O Jacob, and Israel, the one who has been called by me. For I am he, I am the first, even I am the last. Now, what this is trying to say, this expression, and we see Yeshua using it about himself in the book of Revelation, it simply says that I am all. It's God. There's nothing else that should matter. There's nothing else that is important. God, he's the beginning and he's the end. He's first and he's last. He's the all. And if we're not making him the priority of our life, if every aspect of our life is not subjected to him, meaning that we bring everything under his authority, then we are foolish. We are stubborn. We are obstinate. That's what he's saying. Look now to verse, verse 13. He says, But my hand founded the earth, meaning established it, and my right hand measured the heavens. Now, the word for measurement here is a word that speaks of, of measuring or we could say stretching out, making it like a, a measuring uh, stick, you, you put it down. Or like a measuring uh, tape, you, you stretch it out to see how big it is, to measure it. So this is what God is saying. He says, my right hand has measured the heavens or stretched out the heavens. And, and I call unto them and they stand all together. Now, who's them? The heavens, his creation. Here's the problem. Every aspect of God's creation obeys him except one. And what's that? Humanity. And God created all things for man. 
Meaning God put forth everything in its place for the last creation that he did. What was that? Humanity. So all that God made previously, it was for man. We were the center of creation. Now, God didn't create us and do anything for himself. God doesn't need anything. Everything that God instructs, everything that he does, it's to be a blessing to who? Humanity and his creation. Verse 14. Whereas creation stands at attention, that's what we see at the verse in the verse 13. He says, You be assembled, all of you, and hear from them, and I will declare these things. So he's saying, you need to listen to whom is going to speak, whom I'm going to declare these things from. The Lord loves him. Now, this is really odd because there's something that, that we don't know if we just are relying upon this verse. Listen again to what God says, verse 14. He says, Assemble yourselves, now the heavens, his creation, that he measured out. When he spoke to them, they stood at attention. Altogether, they were responsive. What is not the case? Humanity. And therefore, he says, verse 14, Assemble yourselves, all of you, and hear whom among, among them that, that will speak these things. For the Lord loves him. So who is the one that's going to speak these things? Who is the one that the Lord loves? Well, this is what we should answer. And he says, And he will do his delight against Babylon. Now who's that? Well, everyone say God. And then it says, and his arm. Now, this word arm can equally be translated son because it's the word Zeroah. It comes from the word Zerah, seed, and this word seed is an extension of, an offspring of. So when it's in the masculine, as it is here, it's the word Zeroah. And Zeroah is the same word we use come Passover to describe, to remember, the Passover lamb. And in the book of Isaiah, Zeroah relates to the arm or the son of God. So he says, he is going to God, the father is going to do his delight against the Babylonians, meaning punish them. And his son is going to do it against the Chaldeans. Verse 15. I, I have spoken. Even I have called him, and I have brought him, or will bring him, and his way will succeed. Now here again, who's he speaking of? Well, the answer is going to be clear, and that is the Redeemer. Another way to describe him, the Messiah. He's speaking about the Messiah who's going to bring about these new things, things that they didn't know from the beginning. 
God's revealing them at this time. He says, listen, look at verse 16. He says, come near to me and listen to this. Not from the beginning. So not at the beginning did the people know this. He says, in secret, I have spoken. And from now, he says, then I and now I, the Lord, I have sent, and it says, and his spirit. So it says, I have sent. Who has he sent? He sent Messiah. And the spirit or with his spirit. This is whom the Lord has sent. This one who's going to bring about a change. This one who's going to do new things. Now, notice where the scripture goes now in verse 17. He says, thus said the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Notice what is brought into the text, redemption. And if there's redemption, there has to be a Redeemer. And Judaism proclaims boldly, based upon Scripture, that the Redeemer is Messiah. The one who's going to do these new things, these kingdom things. So he says, thus said the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I, the Lord, your God, who am I? I am your teacher and your teacher for that which is effective, that which is worthy in the sense that it's something of significance. So God says, I'm your teacher for that which is going to benefit you, your guide in the way that you should go. So God is saying, I'm going to work, I'm going to move, and I'm going to reveal to you the things that you need in order to experience redemption. Verse 18. If only you would have listened to my commandments. And it would have been that as a river would have been your peace. Now, Israel, we've already seen, they were in a furnace of affliction. That didn't have to be. That came about because of disobedience. Had they listened, responded to the truth, applied the truth, manifest righteousness, done God's will, pursued him for what he wants them to do, if that would have been the case, then their peace would have flown forth like a river. This is what he says, this peace as a river. He says at the end of verse 18, and your righteousness as the waves of the sea. Now, you can't stop a river from flowing. You can't stop waves from coming. That is simply nature at work, and there's that nature that God has put into practice, and there is a spiritual aspect that God's put into practice, and it won't be halted. Verse 19. He says here, and it shall come about as the sand shall be your seed. And your offspring, he says, shall be from your bodies as 
grains, his grains, and it will not be cut off, and it will not be destroyed. His name is before me. Now, what that's saying is, in the end, through this redemption, this one who God's going to send with his spirit, what's going to happen? Israel's going to be, and I'm speaking about Israel as the kingdom people, the kingdom nation, the congregation of the Lord. And what does God promise here? Wonderful things. He says, you're going to be, your seed is going to be like the, the sea, the sand upon the seashore. And your offspring of your bodies is going to be like, like grain. You're not going to be cut off. You're not going to be destroyed. For his name is before me. Meaning he's going to bring about the outcome of redemption. These things that he's promising. Now, he's not going to be cut off. He's not going to be destroyed. He's going to be successful. Therefore, so to the people. Verse 20. Now we see something that maybe helps us understand the book of Revelation. Because we need to see it on two parallel but equal planes. Now, God wanted the people after those 70 years in captivity come out of Babylon. Come out of Babylon and go to Judah. In the same way we see in the book of Revelation, God says, Come out of Babylon, my people. Don't be in the consequence of idolatry. Don't be where no truth and no righteousness leads you. But come out is what he's saying. Look again, verse 20. They are to come out from Babylon. They are to flee from the Chaldeans. And with the voice of shouts, and these are shouts of joy, they will declare. They will, be caused to, they will cause this to be heard. And, and they will be brought out unto the ends of the earth. Meaning, it's speaking about, for example, what Messiah says in Matthew 24, verse 31. When Messiah at his second coming is going to send forth his angels to bring out the exiles of Israel, his elect from, from wherever they are, from the ends of the earth. So it says, come out from Babylon, flee from the Chaldeans with the voice of, of shouting of joy, declare it, cause to be heard all of this, go forth from the ends of the earth. And they shall say, the Lord has redeemed his servant. And who's his servant? Yaakov, Jacob. Now, here again, if you have been misled to believe that the term Jacob means deceiver, surplanter, you are not following truth. That name, Yaakov, usually in Hebrew we say Yaakov Achare, that, that he will follow after. It's a pursuing, and it's a great name. That's why he says, look again at the end of verse 20. They will say, the Lord has redeemed his servant, Jacob, verse 21. And they are not going to be thirsty, 
and in the the arid land he he led them but what happens water from a rock he he gave to them and he split the rock and gushed forth waters now water is a blessing and striking that rock we know paul tells us in in the book of corinthians that that rock is messiah he was struck that is he was crucified and that unleash it caused the blessings of god to be able to flow to to gush forward to his covenant people that new covenant people and then he says notice all of this is good news the outcome of redemption but if you don't have redemption notice what he says there's no peace says said the lord for the wicked ones and who are the wicked ones simply the ones who reject the redemption of god that one that he has sent forth with his spirit that one who's not going to be unsuccessful but that one who's going to be very successful this is what the word of god reveals in this wonderful 48th chapter a chapter that foreshadows the coming of messiah that new thing which has obviously kingdom implication see god he is going to because he's almighty and he is believable what he says he does almighty god is going to do the work of redemption a kingdom redemption but for those who reject it there will no be there will not be any peace well, I'll close with that. Shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel.